How's everybody? Good. We had a we had a we were a short a Sunday school teacher, so I was trying to coordinate. Susie's a champion, so we got it all squared away. But don't worry if you have kindergartners and first graders; they're not running in the hallways. We they are in a class. So this is a good plug. If you would like to help with Sunday school, we are in need of teachers. You can see Lynn and or Connie. Well, hey, we are going to be continuing our Names of God series this morning. And we are going to be in the book of Exodus chapter 34. Exodus 34. We're going to be looking today at the name Elkanah. Can everyone say that? Elkanah. We're going to put it up here. Now you speak some Hebrew. Elkanah. This is the name. Our God is jealous. Now you might be thinking, wait a minute. That's not in the Bible. I assure you it is. Let's read Exodus 34. And we're going to read verses 10 through 14. And he said, behold, I am making a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels such as have not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I will drive out before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Take care, lest some of you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land to which you go, lest it become a snare in your midst. You shall tear down their altars and break their pillars and cut down their ashram, for you shall worship no other gods. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Amen. All right, so we're going to be talking this morning about our God who is jealous. And most of you, when you think of jealousy, you think it's, it's kind of an ugly word. Right? It's not a positive word. Uh, Shakespeare, in, in the play Othello, actually called it a green-eyed monster, uh, the idea of jealousy. Jealousy has overtones of selfishness and suspicion, distrust. It implies resentment or hostility towards others. It's an advantage that you have over someone that doesn't have it. It's possessive. It's demanding and overbearing. It stifles freedom and individuality. It degrades and demeans. It breeds tension and discord. It destroys friendships and marriages. And when we think of the word jealousy, we see it as a horrible trait and want nothing to do with it. So now you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute. Our God is jealous. Not only that, but his name is jealous. Out of all the list of things that I just read off, none of those belong to God. So what are we to do with this as as a name that God expresses himself as and a characteristic that, that really is a negative thing? In Exodus 34, Moses had just returned to the mountain a second time. And he'd come down in, in Exodus 30, he'd come down the mountain with the Ten Commandments in his hands and he finds the people doing what? Worshiping the golden calves, right? And he, he's, he's so peeved, he throws the tablets down, they shatter into a million pieces, and then he has to beg God not to destroy them. And uh, as he goes up the second time into the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, we read that God tells Moses that you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. A jealous God, Elkanah, 
His name is Jealous. How can a God who is holy, just, loving, gracious, merciful, and long-suffering possibly be jealous? For us to understand what God is revealing here about himself, we should look at his nature and explore a side of jealousy that perhaps we've missed before. Now, the root idea in the Old Testament for the word jealousy is to become intensely red. How many of you have ever been jealous before? Come on now. <coughs> Lying's a sin, right? <laughs> jealousy, right? That you, Your face turns bright red. That, that feeling of passion like wells up in your heart and you're just like overcome, right? It's this like, oh, I got to just take care of this, right? Usually, when you're jealous, it's because you're, you're longing after something or someone that you have great love and passion towards, right? You only are jealous for things that you are invested in, in, in something that you actually are deeply committed to. Your face gets hot, you turn bright red, and you experience that intense zeal and passion uh, that begins to grow over something that you hold dear. Uh, interestingly enough, both the Old Testament and the New Testament word for jealousy can also be translated as the word zeal, right? This, this is actually applied to one of the disciples, right? Simon the zealot. You could actually call him Simon the jealous. It's the same word. In Scripture, there are two ways for us to understand the word jealousy, God is both jealous and zealous for the things that he possesses. He is eager about protecting what is precious to him. One thing that God views as especially important to him, or maybe the primary thing that he holds dear, are his people, his chosen bride, his beloved. God's people belong to him as a special possession, his unique treasure. It says in Psalm 135.4, for the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. In fact, he views the church as his bride. Through the prophet Hosea, he told the people, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. Now, no man with any moral fiber wants to share his wife with another man. Right? That's why we own guns. Right? But the truth is, as we look and understand this idea of jealousy in Scripture, it's most important for us to look at, as an analogy, the analogy of marriage. Because God feels towards His people the way that you feel about your spouse. God expects exclusive devotion from His bride. When she goes after other lovers, when she commits spiritual adultery and worships other gods, he is jealous over his bride. When the term jealousy is applied to God in Scripture, it's usually because his people are worshiping idols. Psalm 78, 58 says that they provoked him to anger with their high places. They moved him to jealousy with their idols. The same idea is found in the New Testament. After a discussion of idolatry to the church of Corinth, Paul asked them, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. 
You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? I think the marital relationship is the best way for us to understand this concept of Elkanah, the jealous God. Because I can be jealous over my relationship with my wife in either a positive way or a negative way. Right? For example, if I feel resentment because I see my wife talking to another guy after church, that jealousy that I feel is, is surrounded by self-centered wickedness. It's insecurity, it's resentment, it's, it's anger. It's possessive and unreasonable domination. In other words, that is sinful jealousy. And that would stem from my own selfishness or insecurity rather than my commitment to her and to what is right. But on, on the other hand, if I see another man trying to lure my wife away, to steal her affections, to, to tempt her into leaving that bond that we have, then my jealousy is absolutely righteous. And that's where the punching comes in. <laughs> God gave that wife to me, right? She belongs to me and I to her. And if I see, see someone else trying to woo her away, it is my right as her husband to fervently pursue her as God fervently pursues his bride when he sees them going after other things. My wife's body belongs to me and not my body to her. I have the exclusive right to enjoy her fully and for someone else to assume that right would be a violation of the covenant that was made between us and God. I am zealous for this exclusiveness and the purity of our marriage, and that is a righteous jealousy. That is the jealousy that God feels towards his church, towards his bride. Elkanah does not want others to tempt, to lure, to pull away his beloved from that relationship that he holds so dear. So when we say that God, his name is jealous, Elkanah, he is fervently pursuing that relationship to keep it holy, to keep it intact, to fight for that purity in that relationship. There is no selfish in, selfishness in the Lord's jealousy. It is the perfect and appropriate expression of His holiness. Now, there's a huge difference between jealousy and envy in Scripture, right? There are actually two different words in the Greek New Testament. Jealousy involves the desire to have what somebody else has. That may be wholesome, particularly when we desire to develop in our own lives the positive spiritual qualities we see in others. Or when we seek to enjoy the spiritual riches which are ours in Christ Jesus as we see others enjoying them. For example, if you look at a mature Christian and you say, Oh, I, I would love to have a prayer life like theirs. Or I would love to be uh, mature in this way. Or, or for a non-believer, you know, I'd love to have a relationship with Christ like they have. That is a good and righteous jealousy because you're longing for something pure and beautiful and good. You're not looking to take away what somebody else has, but to join them in what they also have. On the other hand, envy is always bad. It's a feeling of displeasure over the blessings that others are enjoying, and it makes us want to deprive them of that enjoyment. You are depriving someone else of their spiritual blessing, of their gift from the Lord. 
Solomon actually calls it in Proverbs 14.30, he calls the word envy rottenness to the bones. Now, there are some well-known examples of both sinful jealousy and envy in Scripture. Uh, You guys remember the story of Joseph. His dad loved him a lot, gave him a nice jacket, real colorful. And it says in Genesis 37 that his brothers were jealous of him, right? Theirs was not a godly jealousy because their actions showed that their jealousy wasn't godly. What did they try to do? They tried to kill him. They They threw him into a pit. They sold him into slavery. I mean, these aren't positive things, right? These aren't good things that they did. Selfishness and sinfulness were all over their actions. When we are jealous in a sinful way, we often try to hurt others. Just as Joseph's brothers did, we pick on, we criticize, we gossip about those that whom we're jealous of. But there's not a trace of selfishness in God's jealousy. It is perfect and pure. And we will see what perfect jealousy looks like as it is revealed in his name, Elkanah. Now the first thing, the first manifestation of God's jealousy, and it comes really in, in two or three parts. Uh, the first one is that he is jealous over his name. He is jealous over his name. In Exodus 32, Moses said, come down from the mountain with the two tablets. He finds the people engaging in idolatrous worship. And he throws these tablets to the earth, burning, burns the calf, grinds it to powder, and commands the Levites to discipline the people. This was actually a vivid expression of God's jealousy for, for the Israelites, operated through his servant Moses. And it's interesting, when that crisis was done, when God invites Moses back to the mountain for another encounter, we have this incredible picture of our jealous God. And I invite you to look at verses 6 and 7 of 34. It says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. This is a Lord and a God who is infinitely compassionate and loving to his people. Right? He had every right to destroy those Israelites at that very moment for worshiping that golden idol. Right? He had taken them out of Egypt, given them bread from heaven, was providing for their every needs, and they're worshiping other gods. Oh, what a picture of us they are. But it's interesting because Moses sees God as this compassionate, gracious, long-suffering God who abounds in mercy and truth. And yet that's not the end of the revelation. That's not the end of that expression on the mountain. Because not only a few moments later, Moses hears these words from the Lord. He says, you shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. That's how that expression of revelation of God's holiness is exposed to Moses. God is giving Moses and us a glimpse of who he is. And he says that his name is Jealous. Jealousy is not merely a passing mood with God. It's not a feeling he feels at times. It is an exact 
expression of who he is. It is the essence of his personage. He cannot be other than jealous. Since he is the highest and greatest being there is, infinitely holy and glorious, he must be passionately committed to preserving his honor and his supremacy. God is concerned about his name being great. And it's interesting, if you ask an unbelieving world, they'll have a problem with that. How can God be concerned with making himself great? And the problem is that when we look at a God who is absolutely holy and perfect and pure, and we have a problem with that, it's because we want to be in that same spot. We want to exalt ourselves to that spot. You have a problem with God exalting himself because you're not exalted. God is the only one worthy. God's name is the only one that should bring us to a place of praise. Nobody should bow at the name of Brandon. I'm not that great. Nobody should bow at any of your names. You're not that great. God's name is the one that is worthy to be praised. So when he exalts it, it is because he is keeping in character with who he is. He has to have exclusive devotion and worship for his name. If he did not do this, it would make him less than God. He says in Isaiah 42.8, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Our God is supreme and sovereign over all. And if he was to share his glory with anyone else, with any other so-called gods... He would be elevating those things to a position that they did not deserve. That would not be consistent with their true nature. And likewise, it would be making him untrue to his own nature. It would make God less than the preeminent, holy, supreme being that he is. He can do no other than to be jealous for his name. He must be faithful to himself and maintain his high and holy position and he wants his creatures to attribute to him that same degree of honor. We don't gather in this place on Sunday morning to sing songs to make you feel good about who you are or about your relationship with Jesus. Sorry, it's not about you. If you come and you think it's about you, there's other churches for you. This church is here to proclaim the name of Jesus and lift it high and no other name. Amen. Amen. God says in Ezekiel 39, 25, I shall be jealous for my holy name. He is infinitely jealous for the honor of his name. And he responds with terrible wrath against those whose hearts should belong to him, but go after other things. Elkanah's jealousy does not grow out of insecurity or anxiety or frustration or covetousness or pride or spite as our jealousy does. His jealousy does not manifest itself in weakness or fear. It is the natural and necessary byproduct of his absolute sovereignty and infinite holiness. If God, by virtue of his essential being, must be jealous for his uniqueness and supremacy above all, then those who know him and want to please him should be just as jealous for his name. 
Are you as jealous for God's name as he is? Do you exalt the name of Elkanah? Do you hold it in the most high regard, the holiest place? Or do we use it as a curse word? If we are serious about our relationship with Elkanah, we will exalt him above everyone and everything else in our lives. And we'll be absolutely dedicated to living for his honor and be zealously committed to doing his will. The primary goal of our lives as followers, as children of Elkanah, should be to show the world that our God is the one true living God and that he alone makes life worth living and meaningful and worthwhile. The Apostle Paul gives us this great example in Philippians 1, verse 20 and 21, where he says, Is it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul's great desire was to bring glory to Jesus Christ, to show the world that by the way he lived or the way he died, the magnificence and preeminence of the Savior would be exalted. That's what it means for us to be jealous for God's name. There's a story of 40 great soldiers from the region of Cappadocia, which is in central Turkey. They were part of Rome's 12th legion, and they were living about 250 years after Paul had died in a town uh, called Sebaste. And there was a man named Licinius, and he was reigning over the eastern part of that empire. But he was sensing that there was an increasing military threat coming from the west. And he became more and more repressive in his policies towards the Christians. And to solidify his strength, he called on the armies to demonstrate their support by offering a sacrifice to the pagan gods. Now most of the legion stationed at Sebaste dutifully complied to this request. But these 40 Christian Cappadocians respectfully declined. For more than a week, they were placed under guard where they sang and prayed together continually. And their captain pleaded with them. He says, of all the soldiers who serve the emperor, none are more loved by us and more needed right now. Do not turn our love into hatred. It lies in you whether to be loved or hated. They replied. They said, if it rests with us, we have made our choice. We shall devote our love only to our God. At sundown, they were stripped bare and escorted shivering to the middle of a frozen lake and placed under guard as the guard surrounded the edge of the lake. Shivering, they stood there while the Romans constructed a heated Roman bathhouse on the edge of the shoreline to tempt, to lure to entice them away from their true love. All they had to do was renounce their faith in Christ and offer that pagan sacrifice. And, and they would have been allowed to go up to that Roman bathhouse, go in, warm themselves, get dressed, and go on their merry way. A jailer stood by with arms folded, watching as a bitter winter wind whipped across the ice. And through the whistling wind, the soldiers could be heard singing, Forty good soldiers for Christ, we shall not depart from you. 
As long as you give us life, we shall call upon your name, whom all creation praises. Fire and hail, snow and wind and storm, on you we have hoped, and we were not ashamed. As midnight approached, their song became more and more feeble. But then a strange thing happened. One of the forty staggered, fell, and crawled towards the Roman bathhouse. Thirty-nine soldiers for Christ came the cry in the distance, and the jailer watched the man enter the bathhouse, emerge quickly, fall to his knees, and die as he was overcome by the heat. The other guards surrounding the lake couldn't believe what they saw next. The jailer wrenched off his armor and his coat, and he dashed to the edge of the lake, lifted his right hand and cried, Forty good soldiers for Christ, as he disappeared over the ice into the darkness. All 40 men were dead the next morning. But it was the jailer who caught the captain's attention as the bodies were being carted away. What is this guy doing here, he said. One of the guards replied, We cannot understand it, captain. Ever since he began to care for these Christian soldiers, we noticed something was different about this man. These martyrs at Sebaste knew their God was Elkanah, and they could not be enticed by the warmth placed on the shoreline that called to them, even amidst their suffering. And not only that, but their holy jealousy for the name of God, for His glory, drew a Roman jailer to his knees at the foot of God. And he is standing with him today. May our jealousy for God have a similar effect on the people around us. This discovery that that Elkanah is a jealous God, that his name is jealous, is not a challenge for us to become more religious. It's a challenge for us to put our trust in God's gracious provision for our salvation, to put our trust in the death of his sinless son. And it's a challenge to develop a way of life that reveals that truth to a lost world. And not only is Elkanah jealous for himself and for his name, but he is jealous for us. He is jealous for you and I. He has a passionate and consuming zeal for your best interest. And he wants us to share that zeal by being jealous for one another. When the mighty Assyrians threatened to destroy the city of Jerusalem, King Hezekiah brought their, th- their threats to the Lord in prayer. And God's answer given up to us in Isaiah 37, 29, reassured Hezekiah that God would put a hook in the mouth of the king of the Assyrians and lead them right back to where they came from and that Jerusalem would be safe. And he says this in Isaiah 37, 32, For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant, and out of Mount Zion survivors, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. God's jealousy is what protected the Israelites at that time. His love and passion for his people. Have you thought about this for a moment? You would cease to exist if God stopped being jealous for you. If he withdrew his hand of protection from your life, you would perish immediately. He sustains you. He keeps you. He gives you everything that you have. Life and breath and being. It's because he loves you 
and is so passionate for you that you even exist. God wants what's best for his people. He protects Israel through siege and he delivers them through destruction. And they are a people today because he has not ceased protecting them and being jealous for them. Later on, God allows the nation of Israel to be disciplined by the Babylonians. He loved them so dearly that his discipline was his expression of that love. And when he was ready to restore them, he told Zechariah in chapter 1, verse 14, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and Zion. Throughout all of Israel's disobedient, all of their times of worshiping idols and going after other gods, he is always waiting for them to return with open arms. In the New Testament, the, the picture is the prodigal son's father. It is a jealous father who is standing, waiting, regardless of what the son has done, for that son to return and to wrap him with the finest robes and put rings on his fingers and have the great feast prepared for him in his honor. God is jealous for those whom he loves and takes steps to help them, just as we are jealous for those that we love when they are threatened, wronged, or abused. He only wants the best for us, and at this very moment, he is planning things that will bring benefit and blessings to our lives. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to bring you a future and a hope. That verse is true because our God, Elkanah, is jealous for you. That's how much he loves you. And the Apostle Paul shared in God's jealousy for other Christians, as we should. When his converts at Corinth began to fall for the perversion of the gospel being spread by Satan's servants who had infiltrated the church, he tells them, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. As their spiritual father, he had promised them to Christ, their spiritual bridegroom. And it was his desire to present them to their husband as a pure bride, untainted with the distorted doctrine of those false apostles. And for that reason, he faithfully taught them the truth amidst great personal sacrifice and he encouraged them to submit to it cost Paul everything to live that way, to give them that truth, to teach them that even though other gods will come in and entice you and other things in this world will show you that they care for you, that only Elkanah truly loves you. When we share God's jealousy for others, it fills our minds with God's truth. And it gives us courage to graciously share it with them. We should want what is best for the others that God puts in our midst. Because we should know that when they align their lives to God's word and they live according to his plans and purposes, that it will always result in their greatest possible good. Because even when life is hard, even when things don't go your way, God is working out your salvation. He is drawing you to himself. He is bringing you near. And in the difficulties, he is perfecting you. So this morning, we can rest in the truth that our God is a jealous God. And that his name is jealous. His name is Elkanah. 
The truth of this name reminds us to give God his due and to put him before everything else in our lives. Are you putting God first? Are you jealous for him as he is jealous for you? At the same time, you can receive strength and hope from this name because it's a guarantee that no matter what happens, that Elkanah fights for you, that he is looking out for your best interests, that he has a perfect plan for your life, even when it's hard. When we understand this name, the name Elkanah, we begin to know our God as a jealous God, and it's not an ugly thing. The world reads Ezekiel or Exodus 34:14 and says, "God is jealous, that's ugly and sinful and wicked." But it's because they don't understand what a good, jealous God actually is. A God who loves so fiercely, so passionately his bride, that he fights to protect it at all costs. A God who so desperately loves his people. That even when the world all around you is coming in from every side, he says, these ones belong to me. I have a plan for them, and it's a perfect one. So may we begin to know our jealous God. May we begin to understand the name Elkanah as it increases our level of devotion to him, deepens our trust in who he is, and strengthens our commitment to faithfully share his truth with a dark and dying world. Amen? Amen. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, you are uh, Elkanah. Your name is Jealous. And we praise you, Lord, for that name. For that name that protects us, that name that fights for us, that name that shows us that your name is above all else, that there is no God like you. Lord, other things fight for our attention. Other things try to lure us away. Temptations and sinful desires. This world is constantly pressing in like that Roman bathhouse on the shoreline. Lord, and may we stand firm, 40 good soldiers for Christ. May we remain faithful even when the world entices us away to your holy name. Your beautiful name, Elkanah. We love you, our jealous God. We thank you for this time. Amen.